He was good last year, but is Patrick Garwo the third elite? We'll give you the case for and against on today's Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College, AJ Black here. This is going to be a running back heavy show. We're going to talk about Pat Garwo, the running back junior for the Boston College Eagles, who last year ran for 1,045 yards and seven touchdowns in his sophomore season with the Eagles. It was a big year for Garwo. He came out of nowhere. He became the lead back after David Bailey went to Colorado State, and he flourished. He averaged 5.1 yards per carry, and he looked as explosive as you'd want for a BC running back. I don't want to say he was A.J. Dillon, because clearly he was not that. But he looked good, and he made himself into a name. He was an All-ACC. I think he was third team for the conference, and he looked very much the part of a, a star in the making. Now, the question I want to ask today is not that is, is Pat Garwo good, because we already know he's good. Is he elite? Is he one of the best running backs in the ACC? And you can use your statistics to, to make the point, and you can use statistics to prove that he isn't. Uh, and so what I want to do is I want to I kind of break down how he compares to other players in the conference. And the first name that you want to look at is Sean Tucker. Sean Tucker is the elite running back in the country, uh, in the conference. I mean, he's one of the best in the country. He's the running back for Syracuse. He ran for 1,500 yards last year with 12 touchdowns. He is one of the best. He alone on a Syracuse team that didn't have much talent around him, and Garrett Schrader's not very good, and, you know, they don't have a quarterback. They don't have much of a passing game. He was able to make Syracuse, you know, stay above water last year. He Every time he touches the ball, he's explosive. He does all those little things. So he, obviously, I would put above Pat Garwo. Who else is out there that would be above Pat Garwo? Well, a lot of the names that may have been uh, running backs that are better than Garwo have all graduated. Guys like Mateo Durant's in the NFL. Zonovan Knight. Jameer Gibbs is off to Alabama. Uh, Raheem uh, Blackshear, I don't think he's better. but So you got a couple guys here that are, are better. But you look who is coming up, and then you could see, okay, maybe Garwo isn't at that level yet. Will Shipley is the first one I think of, the running back from Clemson. He, in his freshman year, played in 10 games, rushed for 739 yards. Now, if Clemson can figure out their offense, I think he could be elite. Those are just some of the names out there. I think Pat Garwo has some things... We're looking at the team now. Let's look at Garwo in terms of of how he performs with BC and what things have changed that could make him better and things that might hinder him. Because, you know, he, he averaged five yards a carry, but there were games where he struggled. And the reason he struggled was because last year... Um, Phil Jakovic goes down. Phil Jakovic goes down. They put in Dennis Grossell. And um, no, I don't want to bash the kid. We've said everything that we need to say about Grossell. But we know that defenses were honest and very much honed in on that running game because they knew Grossell couldn't beat him with their arms. So, so the stats that Garwo put up, 
he's averaging 87 yards a game, was done with defenses stacking the box. It was the old Adazio playbook, right? When they're putting eight guys in the box, because you can cheat linebackers in, you can cheat safeties into the box, because you know that Dennis Grossell can't beat you over the top, that makes running that much harder. So that makes it even more impressive for what he did last year, for what Garo did, because there were games where defenses were just waiting on it. Now, some of his biggest games, I think, came before all of that cheating up kind of stuff happened. You know, his biggest game of the season, arguably, was against Missouri. You know, he had in that game 175 rushing yards, two touchdowns. But he also had some big games down the stretch, too. He games against Virginia Tech, he had a touchdown, he had 116 yards, 104 yards against Georgia Tech. And, um, you know, he he had a big game against UMass earlier in the season. So he had his moments. And and that was all without Dracovic there. Or when Dracovic was back, but he wasn't 100%. And, you know, as the the season kind of wore on with those last couple games, defenses knew that Dracovic wasn't going to be able to beat them. And so, again, you know, 71 yards against Florida State, averaging only 2.96 yards per carry. And against Wake Forest, he only rushed the ball 11 times. So... Garwo had this up and down season. And I think for me, when I look at what he could do in terms of bringing his game to that next level, it, it again is encapsulates what Dracovic could do, what, what Dracovic is capable of doing to this offense. Because if Dracovic goes back there and he's throwing for 250 a game, 275 a game, Defenses aren't going to be able to stack the box. They're going to have to be very cautious about Zay Flowers. They're going to have to be cautious about Jaden Williams and some of these other targets that are out there because Filter Coke's going to get them the ball. And that in itself is going to leave Garwo wide open for some big runs. Think about it. There'll be games where, you know, they're going to go four wide receivers. They're going to have uh, Pat Garwo lined up next, you know, lined up next to Jakovic. Jakovic could go back there, go play action, hit a couple big passes, and then he'll run it with Garwo here and there too. And that's going to be wide open. There's going to be bigger holes for Garwo than in the past. So I like that possibility. Just, 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 just having a, a signal caller like Phil Jakovic, I think will make Garwo better. And I think I like, I, I like the idea. You know, there was an article in the Athletic this week too about how Jeff Halfley. You know, talked about you know last year, and he wasn't happy with the way the offense was being run. I mean, he didn't throw Frank Signetti under the bus, but it was pretty clear he wanted to make some changes. I have to wonder how the offensive game plan is going to change with new offensive coordinator John McNulty from uh, from Notre Dame at at the helm. So, I think that could also impact uh, Garwo in a, in another more positive way. So those little factors. I think we'll open up the game for Garwo. We'll get him more touch. We'll get him better, high uh, probability touches. No, no more. You know, trying to beat off two safeties, three linebackers to get out of that box. Now, in a moment, I'm going to get into what's going to happen that could possibly keep his numbers down a little bit. And there's a few different factors I think we should get into. But first, let's chat about my good old friends at Built Bar. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, but guess what? Your friends at Built Bar have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the puffs treatment. That's right, the Coconut Brownie Chunk 
Built Bar flavor you love in a delicious chewy marshmallow covered in 100% chocolate. These things are so good. If you've not tried a puff yet, you got to check it out. And I was a big fan of the coconut brownie chunk uh, bars. The puffs are even better. They're soft, they're chewy, they're delicious, and they're high in protein and low in sugar. You got to check these out. Now, the best part about Bill's Bars is they taste amazing, but you can enjoy them guilt-free because they're actually good for you. They're a perfect treat. I have mine every day. I say it on the podcast all the time, and I'm not joking. 2.30 every day, I pull up my Built Bar. It's my afternoon treat. gives me the energy I need to get through my daily work and chores. So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15, and you're going to get 15% off your order. Again, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off at Built.com. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black, happy Friday, everyone. We were talking the running back position here. We were talking, uh, you know, about Pat Garwo, the the junior running back who I have to admit, if you go back to the last season's episode, I was harsh on Pat Garwo. I, I didn't have a ton of faith in him as a everyday running back. And I love it when I'm wrong, when a guy can go out there and show me that what I said was completely not true. And he did it. He had an unbelievable season, and he was my big Mia culpa. I, I, I should start my own plaque with these because 2020 would be Josh DeBerry. 221 would be Pat Garwo. I don't know who 222 is going to be. Could be someone on that offensive line, Sheeta Salah. There's a bunch of guys that I haven't been too high on right now and, you know, whatever. But Garwo, in the first segment, I talked about his 1,045 yards. What could he do to get that better? And I talked about Phil Dracovic and having that offense back in will open things up make it easier on him when last year he was being slaughtered at the line of scrimmage and was still doing a great job of doing that. Now let's get to the, the, the reasons it could, it might not happen. What could he do? What could happen with this program that might limit Pat Garwo from going above that almost 1100 yards? The first thing is the big one. It's the big elephant in the room. It's the offensive line. I mean, you have to be naive to not say that that's a big concern, not just for the passing game, but also for the running attack. Remember, BC is now down to absolutely zero returning starters from last year. After Christian Mahogany went down with a season-ending ACL tear about two weeks ago, BC now has to replace every single player on that offensive line. And the, the, the challenges that that's going to create cannot be understated here. Of anything that we've talked about on the show being a big the big factor that could hold BC back from having that special season, the offensive line has to be number 1 or 1A because when you're throwing a redshirt freshman center out there, you have a question mark at guard because you have yeah, who's going to do that? You have a, a left tackle and Jack Conley last year that struggled. Big question mark. And that's not going to make things easier. For Pat Garwo. Remember, what Pat Garwo did last year was with five offensive linemen that have been, you know, starting linemen for two, three seasons each. These guys have been around for a while. They communicate, they they did a nice job at that piece. So there's a bit of concern on my part that this offensive line could make it harder for Garwo to find those spots. Now, with that offensive game plan hopefully opening things up. That might mitigate some of that, but you still have to worry that there's going to be times where it's going to be tough sledding for him. You get games like Clemson or uh, an NC State, two teams that have good defenses. They're going to really challenge that offensive line, and that's going to challenge as well their running attack. So I think that's a factor 
that could really um, make it harder for Garwo to have that next take that next step. The second factor that could make it harder for Garwo is is kind of dovetailed to one of the things I put down as a factor of why he could do it. And it's the offense. Now, Phil Dracovic is back. They do not need to run the ball with Pat Garwo 30 times. They can lay back on that. And, you know, 2020, he, you know, BC was, was not a running team at all when Phil Dracovic was healthy. They were almost completely air raid. Not, not really, but you know what I mean? Like they, they focus more on passing the ball. I don't expect them to do that this year. I, I, th- I think they're going to try to find that balance. But you best believe that when they get Dracovic going, they're not going to rely on making sure that they throw they run the ball just to, for the sake of running it. If he's out there and he's lighting up a defense, Garwo may only touch the ball 15, 20 times a game, which is fine, but it's going to hurt that bottom line, right? He's not going to have – he's not going to be – the superior work workhorse like AJ Dillon or Andre Williams that can just take over games. He'll be a, a complimentary and good piece, but as I said, he won't get to that elite level. So I, I think there's a possibility that at different points this season, the offensive uh, game plan may shift away from that running game. And if that's the case, Garwo's numbers may suffer. And it's not a, any knock on him at all. It's just it's just what's going to happen. And I think that's just a, a fact of life right there. And finally, the other factor that I think could impact Garwo is the depth at running back. Boston College has some serious depth this year. Now, BC lost Travis Levy to graduation at the end of last year. He was their solid, you know, third down passing back. Uh, He did a solid job there. But they brought in, I think Alex Singfield, first of all, needs to be discussed a little bit here because I could see his role becoming a little bigger with this team. You know, Singfield was a nice change of pace back to Garwo last year. But as I said before, with this offense going the way it's going um, in terms of getting the pass attack more involved, having Dracovic back there, I could see Sinkfield being a, uh, a bigger spot in, in terms of getting snaps. You know he's a good passing attack, uh, passing weapon for BC. He can, he's quick. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to super cut into to Garwo's snaps, but I could see him out there more often than he was last year. So that would be the first piece. Then on top of that, BC has at least three or four other wide res, uh, running backs that I just expect need to start to get see some touches. The first is Xavier Coleman. Xavier Coleman may not play the role of an everyday back. He's not that size. He's a smaller running back. I think he's like 5'9", 180. Um, but he's electric. He is a game He's a a, um, a game changer. He's a guy that can make big plays. We saw it during the spring game when he caught that touchdown pass. Uh, he's got to get out there. And so if they're going to get him out there in the running back slot, someone's going to sit, and that's probably going to be Garwo, right? So there's a possibility he's going to lose snaps to him. And then there's other freshmen we haven't even seen on campus yet, like Alex Broom uh, running back from uh, Lipscomb Academy, Cam Barfield from Bishop Gorman in Nevada, and CJ Klinkscales from Buford in Georgia. Three freshmen, you know, all that takes is one of them to have a strong camp, and they're going to get they're going to get some snaps as well. So – a combination of these four or five players could just just naturally cut back on his snaps because you don't in this offense you, you don't have to have a guy that is your every down back all the time 
And I think it's smart to use him when he's needed. When Garwell, when there's games that you need to just grind away a team, Garwell's your guy. But if there's games where it's it's you know fast moving and you need to get scores quick, you may not go to him as much. So these are not knocks on Pat Garwell. I want to make sure that's clear again. I'm just talking schematically wise and situationally wise. Why things from last year could be different that could cause his stats to go down a little bit. Now, that being said, end of the day story here. Looking at Pat Garwell, looking at what I project him to do, I could see him getting a a nice little uptick. I'm not saying a huge uptick, but maybe like 1,150 yards this year. I think that's not out of the realm of possibility. Given the um, offense and what he can do, I think he'll be a good good running back. I think he's going to do exactly what you need. And um, I think that will help. But at the end of the day, will he be elite? That's that's a a label that's hard to qualify, right? You have two elite players, I think. One that you can't might not even say yet in Phil Dracovic and Zay Flowers. Those are your two elites. Is Garwo in that in at that level yet? No, he's very good, not elite yet. So. I don't think he's going to do that this year, but that's not a knock on him. I think he is a good running back. Now, in our final segment, it's more recruiting talk. This is going to be the final weekend of BC's official visit uh, cycle going on, and I'm going to tell you what to expect and some names you're not going to want to miss. Well, we're back. This is Locked On Boston College, AJ Black here, and this is the last weekend of a trio of big official visits that Boston College has had. Now, if you've been paying attention to my site, bcbulletin.com, I have been talking to recruits, interviewing them, getting their viewpoints of what's gone on this weekend, uh, these big weekends that they've had. And I have to say that they've been super impressed with what they've seen at BC. And now, yeah. A lot of that could be just recruit talk. They get excited about everything, so that might that it might be a little bit, um, you know, exaggerated how great it was. But look at the results, right? BC's landed like six or seven commitments over the last two weeks, and they've all been names of guys that have big offers, multiple official visits. There, you know, Ryan Mickow, and I have to apologize. I screwed his name up. Two, two or three times on an episode last week, we kept calling him Wickow. It's Mickow, Ryan Mickow from Florida. You know, Sean Battle, there's Montrell Wade and Nate Johnson, the two wide receivers that they've landed. Now, this weekend, they have a, a, another massive uh, grouping of official visits, and, and they're all names that I'm like, wow, good for on Jeff Halfley and staff for getting such impressive weekends because not only is it big. You know, we see the guys and you're like, oh, wow, you see their offer list. You go to 247 Sports and you see like, okay, this guy's a three-star. He's almost a four-star. That's impressive. But you know, too, that the other recruits are looking at each other going, oh, wow, look at that guy's here. This guy's here. It's a big deal for them, too, right? So you look at some of the names and, you know, it's hard to gauge who's going to commit, but we're at the end of a cycle here. I believe July 1st is the end of this next live period. So you're going to see another slew of commitments coming up, not just from this group, but from groups in in um, from weeks past. And I know there's one other silent commitment. I can't tell you more about it. Uh, that is still waiting to announce, and we'll hear about him when he announces. That should be another one. But there's some names. The, the, the biggest name to me, 
there's two big ones that I think I'm like, if they could land both of these guys, they would be uh, beautiful additions to this class. And that's Dontavious Broswell, a running back from Washington County in Georgia. Um, he is a four-star running back. He is like burner with speed. He runs a 10.7500 and a 22.02200. So like really fast track star with finalists of Louisville, BC, Nebraska, and South Carolina. Now, I'm a big fan of uh, the recency factor, and this is his last visit. So if BC goes out there and blows this guy away, they're going to get him. They're going to get that four-star running back, another track star, and he would be absolutely a home run. He's from Georgia, big-time recruit here. This would be awesome. Dontavious Broswell, you're going to want to keep your eye on that. Now, the other big one that I am really excited about, Ronan Hannafin. Now, we've talked about Ronan Hannafin on this podcast. He's an athlete from Cambridge, Massachusetts. He's the number four recruit in the state. The other top three are guys that BC just has no chance at. <laughs> and I I think BC's in better shape than you may think. He's a four-star athlete. Um, I believe he can play wide receiver on linebacker. I believe BC's looking at him at wide receiver, but I'm not 100% sure on that one. Um, his, his visits, well, take a breath here, Clemson. Notre Dame, Alabama, Boston College. And you're saying to yourself, one of these things is not like the other. But don't count out BC here, folks. I know you look at that. You see the pictures of him with Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney. You're like, oh, God. They don't have a chance in hell here. They do. Now, is he, are they a favorite to get Hannafin? Probably not. I think Notre Dame is probably the favorite at this point. But BC goes out there and wows this kid. He may want a place closer to home. He may want to. He may like Jeff Halfley, and I know he does. He's talked to me before. Um, he's been at BC's campus a lot, and and it's not just like, you know, uh, cursory like I have to do this type of stuff. He goes because he likes it. He likes Boston College. He's had a good relationship with the school for years now. So don't discredit them. Alabama, Notre Dame, oh, Alabama and Clemson came along real late. I know they're attractive schools, but. Sometimes for a player, getting in early with them, getting that relationship means a lot to them. And so don't discredit BC in this one. It might be something worth watching, seeing how he reacts to this. Because, you know, if if BC makes him out, to, to tells him that he's a big deal, that he, you know, you got to come here because you're a local kid, we'll make it a big, you're going to be able to play at the front of all your friends and show them that you helped revitalize BC. They may be able to sell that other than, you know, Nick Saban going, well, we've got, you know, I saw them with like the the chains that says the Alabama factory. Hey, what a great way of making it seem personal when they're just being like a cog in the piece of Alabama football. I mean, it doesn't make you feel special at all other than you're wearing a chain that says Alabama factory on it. I I, I couldn't believe that was real. Um, It just seems so condescending, but whatever. But. There's factors here that could lead to him here, so I think that's worth watching. And he obviously could end up at Notre Dame too. That that's that's a big one. But there's other names that are coming that I think BC has great shots at. Antonio Cotman. I know that they've had him a bunch. Um, I'm gonna pr- mispronounce this poor kid's name. Pele Fawo, a linebacker from Bishop Gorman in Nevada. Again, a power school. Love this kid. They don't have a linebacker yet. He would be great, and he's taking his second visit after visiting Cal. There's a lot. A lot of good talent coming here to BC this weekend. And I'll have all the updates up on BC Bulletin and on Twitter 
throughout the weekend. So you're going to make sure you want to check all that out. I'll be talking to as many of these kids too as I can um, after they do make their decision. So thank you all for listening. Have a great weekend, everyone. You can follow me on Twitter at AJBlack underscore BC or at BCBulletin.com. Uh, thank you all. Have a great weekend.